Welcome to the Complete Engineering Podcast, brought to you by the College of Engineering. We are Nebraska, where we build complete engineers with the technical and non-technical skills to do big things. Visit us at engineering.unl.edu. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Complete Engineering Podcast. I am Matt Honky. I'm Carl Vogel. And we are both with the College of Engineering, and we are so fortunate today to have the Dean of the College of Engineering, Lance Perez, with us. Uh, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. I guess we'll get started here, but tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what brought you to the University of Nebraska and to the College of Engineering. It's, it's actually sort of a funny story because I originally had no intention of coming to Nebraska. <laughs> I uh, was on the faculty at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I was in the process of applying for faculty jobs and actually had four offers already, including one from the University of Maryland at College Park, which is a top 10 college of engineering and about 45 minutes from where my wife and I grew up. So we had pretty much decided we were going to go there when I saw the ad for Nebraska. And when I saw the ad for Nebraska... I was talking with my wife and I said, you know, my dad was born in Nebraska. I've never been there. I've never seen where he's born. So I th- uh, why don't I apply? I'll get the interview. I'll get to come out to Nebraska and see where my father was born and then we can go to Maryland. So sure enough, I applied for the job and got the interview and came out to Lincoln to interview. Now you have to realize my dad was born in Trenton, Nebraska which is near McCook, so you can tell how much I knew about Nebraska geography. <laughs> and I thought I'd be able to sneak out of my interview and get to Trenton uh, to see where my father was born. Uh, needless to say, that didn't happen. Uh, I had a really good interview experience when I came out. Um, uh, my wife had come out with me. She had a great experience. So uh, Rod Sokup, the, the chair of the Department of Electrical Engineering at the time, and his wife Tracy, and all of the faculty at the university just did a really good job recruiting us. And we got back on the plane for San Antonio and looked at my wife. I said, we need to get ready for the move to Maryland. My wife said, I think we need to talk about Lincoln. And that was uh, 22 years ago. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I think what that tells me is that if you're looking at Nebraska, you've never been here. But what you need to do is just come here, see it, see the place. And, and that will that can change the minds. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And it continues to play out to this day that with faculty, staff, and students, uh, once we get them here, we have a very, very high success rate. But we have to get them here because there are a lot of misconceptions about Nebraska as a state. What, what things about the university, about the city, and the College of Engineering in particular, do you think are the difference makers when students and faculty are considering coming here? Yeah, I think there's a commonality uh, across the state in the city of Lincoln and in the university and the college that people really appreciate how welcoming a community that Nebraska and Lincoln and the, and the university have. There really is a, a very strong sense of community. People are supportive, are friendly, it's safe. It's a very high quality of life. Uh, doesn't have a lot of the stresses of big cities. Uh, so great public schools, great parks. So it's a very high quality of life. And I think when you couple that with this very quiet pride that Nebraska has, that we expect excellence and across everything we do, and that you find that in the community, you find that in the university, you find that in the college. And so whether it's faculty, staff, or students, they get here. And I think they really find that combination powerful. We are always trying to be the best, yet we do it in a way that's very friendly. Wanting to be the best and, and improving is something that I know that you've had in your sights for the, the college. You're fairly new to the full-time job as dean. Sure. You just started your full-time appointment just this year. What do you see as a vision for this college in the next five or ten years? It's clear that 
we need to build a college of engineering that is a driver of economic development in the state. If we want to have a bright future for all of the young Nebraskans, we need to develop a, a much more diverse economy in the state, and the College of Engineering uh, should play a critical role in that. You know, STEM jobs nationally are growing by about 10%. Uh, in Nebraska, they're only growing by about 2%. It's, it's clear that the future of the economy in the United States is technology-based. And so we need to build a college of engineering that's helped driving that kind of economic development. And we do that two ways. Uh, one is through our uh, undergraduate education, that is educating the workforce for tomorrow. Uh, there are s several major industries in the state, particularly civil engineering, architectural engineering, design, and, and related uh, construction fields that are about to undergo a generational change, and we need to provide that next generation of workforce. And then we need to build a research enterprise that is uh, creating new technologies and new jobs and allowing existing industry to innovate more quickly so that we are developing another uh, sector of the economy in, in Nebraska. You know, a good example of this is in uh, software engineering, where there is an emerging software engineering industry in Nebraska and Omaha and Lincoln, and we need to be driving that the development of that sector of Nebraska's economy. And we can go across the engineering disciplines and see that there are, if you look at energy production, Nebraska can play a big role in that, whether it's ethanol, whether it's wind, whether it's solar, the college needs to be leading that effort. And I know that's something the college just recently, the last couple of years, started the software engineering program. So that's something that's new. You mentioned we want to build the college. Some of that is, comes with buildings. So sure. I know we have a few building projects that are on the, the docket now and then some that are, are long-term. Can you go over a little bit of what we're doing right now at the college? Yeah, absolutely. So we're fortunate to have uh, some major capital projects underway. Part of, uh, before I describe those in detail, I think it's important to realize that uh, part of building that college that's going to drive economic development in the state is also making the college bigger and stronger. Just like um, you know, many industries, higher ed is, is competitive now in a way that it didn't used to be, and, and you have to grow if you're going to really survive and thrive. So our strategy moving forward to become that economic driver in the state involves growth, and growth requires great facilities. So if we're going to educate the engineer of the 21st century, if we're going to conduct research that's solving the major problems that are facing the world, we have to have the facilities that support both that kind of education and that kind of research. So uh, we currently have two phases of construction of capital projects uh, planned. So the first phase was approved by the Board of Regents in August. It's a $75 million, primarily a renovation project. Um, so we're extremely fortunate to have received an allocation of $70 million uh, from the state and the university through LB 957. And then we're adding $5 million of private philanthropy to that for this $75 million project. And that project will accomplish two things. It will tear down and rebuild the building that we refer to as the link that connects uh, Scott Engineering Center to Nebraska Hall. And then it will renovate the majority of Scott Engineering Center. And when that project is completed in the fall of 2022, We'll have about 200,000 square feet of just state-of-the-art space to support both research and education, but it won't accommodate a lot of growth. It'll accommodate a little bit of growth, uh, but when you look at the amount of hiring that we're going to be doing over that same period and the growth in enrollments that we expect to see over that same period of time, 
will likely be at capacity as a, that first phase of construction is completed. So we're also planning a second phase of, of capital investment, which involves building a brand new engineering building at the intersection, roughly the intersection of 17th and Vine Street. This will be an $85 million project that will be funded entirely with private money. And that building will accommodate the growth of the college for the next several decades and uh, will be focused on engineering education, uh, particularly our undergraduate mission, and will uh, more than likely include a significant presence from our civil engineering and construction uh, programs. This is the Complete Engineering Podcast. (laughs) And here at Nebraska, we have our Complete Engineer Initiative and we're kind of interested to hear from you. Can you help describe what that means to be a complete engineer, what that means to you, and what makes that unique here at the University of Nebraska? Sure, yeah, we're very proud of the Complete Engineer Initiative. To understand it, I think you have to go back a little bit and, and realize that you know, 20, 30 years ago, when people like myself were being educated as engineers, it was all about technical skills. Could you do the math? Could you do the design? Uh, could you do the analysis that was required to be a good engineer? And of of course, those skills are still critically important to any engineer, but it's also become clear that additional skills are needed to be a good engineer. And that's whether you're going to be a traditional engineer, whether you're going to be an academic like myself, or whether you're going to use your your engineering education as a launch pad into medical school or law school or going to work for a nonprofit to help uh, get clean water supplies in third world countries. Engineering is inherently a global endeavor. It doesn't matter whether you're working for a small company in Lincoln or for a huge company like Boeing that's, that clearly has a global presence. Engineering is inherently global uh, and involves communication, involves interdisciplinary work, involves working with teams. So what we set about to do with the complete engineer was to make sure that our undergraduates and graduates uh, left the university with more than just technical skills. So the complete engineer is built around six competencies, intercultural appreciation, leadership, teamwork, self-management, service and civic responsibility, and engineering ethics. And what we try to do with the complete engineer program, which is primarily an extra and co-curricular program, is give our students opportunities to develop these non-technical competencies. Uh, We're a national leader in this and building programs that support the development of these non-technical skills. Uh, Our students are starting to see that this is a competitive advantage for them when they interview, because when they interview, they're able to talk about their educational experience in a much more holistic way uh, than a typical graduate would, and employers are really valuing these skills. You know, of course, the technical side will always matter, Mm -hmm. and this is not meant to diminish the technical side, but it's about really rounding out who our our graduates are as uh, as people and as engineers. And it was driven by feedback from industry. The, The people in the industry were saying that this is what they wanted from engineering graduates in general, and this is something we felt we could give them. Certainly, that was part of the impetus right. for this program. Uh, you know, even the accreditation criteria explicitly look at things like teamwork and and uh, communication skills. But we really flushed it out based on uh, some other experiences that we've had, both on, on our faculty side and on the student side. But it, yeah, we certainly hope it's being responsive to industry's needs. Part of the uh, complete engineer initiative, as as I understand it, is building the well-rounded engineer, somebody who's got life in order. And part of that is having interests outside of engineering and 
what interests do you have outside of engineering? When, when you break away from the office, what things give you that break that, that you so need? Sure. Yeah. I, I think work-life balance is important to everybody. And certainly, you know, engineers are very hardworking, but, and they have to have mm-hmm. that kind of work-life balance as well. Uh, and it makes us better engineers when we have that. So I do carve some time out of my schedule for hobbies. Uh, probably my two biggest hobbies are travel. So I, I, I've been really fortunate in my life. I've traveled to over 60 countries uh, in, the, in the last 30 years. I've been to, you know, six continents. I was fortunate to live in Europe for almost a year. So I continue to travel extensively with my wife and family as well. And then another thing that I do is I do wheelchair athletics. Mm-hmm. Done that for 30 years. And uh, I'm very fortunate that in Nebraska, there's great support for wheelchair athletics in both Lincoln and Omaha. So in Lincoln, we have a basketball team that's supported uh, by Madonna Rehabilitation Hospital. And I've played on that team for about 20 years. I'm in in semi-retirement on the basketball side. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sport for younger men and women than I am, Uh, but I still practice. And then also in Omaha, we're fortunate to have a wheelchair softball team, the Nebraska Barons, that's uh, uh, supported by Allegiant Health System. And I've been playing on that team for 15 years. Uh, we've won 12 world championships uh, in the last 15 years. So it's uh, we are the best team in the world. It's a lot of fun. It's also uh, some of my best friends. Every Tuesday night, late spring to early f- to early fall, I drive to Omaha and practice with my friends, and then we go to a national tournament. And I've been fortunate to also play on the, the Team USA wheelchair softball team as well for two years, huh. and uh, to have gone to Japan to compete in an international tournament. And we're hoping to get wheelchair softball recognized as a eventually as a Paralympic sport. Oh, that's great. You and, mentioned uh, six continents. Uh, Antarctica, is that what we're missing? Uh, we are missing Antarctica. Oh, okay. <laughs> where, where, has, where have... You've been to a lot of countries, but what's one of the top one or two that you can't get back to enough? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. Uh, I've loved them all, really. Probably I, there's the two places that I go to the most are, I, of course, love Europe. Uh, my wife and I have traveled extensively in Germany and Italy. We really In Spain, we really love that part of Europe a lot. And then, of course, the second place is Latin America. I'm just a huge fan of every, you know, Colombia, Venezuela, Chile, Peru, Argentina, and Brazil. I just love, I love South America and Latin America. It's just a great culture, really interesting, beautiful, full of potential. So those are the two places we go to the most. Is there anything that you haven't seen that you've got on kind of a bucket list you want to see? Yeah, let me let me think about that. I actually do. <laughs> I'd love to get to the Middle East. Love to see Jerusalem, Beirut, Tripoli, all these great cities of of uh, the Middle Eastern culture. I'm go- I'm actually going to Lebanon uh, in December for an accreditation visit, but I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna get to see much because of security concerns. But I'd love to spend some time in the Middle East. And then there's sort of a couple checklist type of things. I'm I'm not actually a big tourist. Uh, when we yeah. go places, we're much more about sort of wandering the side streets and, and getting to know local culture rather than sort of checking off tourist sites. But I'd love to see Machu Picchu. Uh, I'd love to see Angkor Wat. I need to go to Iceland and, I, I, and Greenland, too. Those are two other places I want to go. I want to see the Aurora Borealis as well. I've never seen that. Those are sort of on the on the bucket list. And also, I've traveled to 49 of the 50 states. So the only state I haven't been in is Alaska. So I need to get Alaska on the Taken care of. Well, you could get the Aurora Borealis at the same time. That's (laughs) right. There you go. 
Well, we like to finish each of our shows doing a lightning round, and this is a series of just fun yes-no uh, questions. It's a untimed 60 seconds. Dog or cat? Uh, cat. Who's your favorite superhero? Oh, wow. Uh, used to be Aquaman, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> What is your favorite baseball team? Uh, you know, growing up in D.C., tough to be a baseball fan, but probably this, this the Washington Nationals. Favorite tailgating food? Uh, we throw extensive tailgates for the Husker games, <laughs> so we do some pretty fancy tailgating food. We really love this Vietnamese beef we do on a stick. <laughs> so we have a tailgate. That theme is everything on a stick. So everything has to be cooked on a stick. And we do this Vietnamese beef that's really outrageously good. <laughs> have you ever used a slide rule? Uh, actually, I have. I'm, I'm of the generation that uh, wasn't required to use a slide rule. But there, when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, I thought it was a big deal to learn how to use a slide rule. I couldn't do it anymore, but there was a moment in time when I knew how to use one. First video game you owned? This is going to be disappointing. <laughs> but Well, I mean, if you go way back, I think I had Pong, right? <laughs> and, but, you know, I've never owned a playstation or xbox mm -hmm. so i've had a wii that's about it favorite musical genre classic rock what was your favorite toy growing up uh lego blocks easy who's your favorite third baseman of all time uh brooks robinson from the orioles <laughs> if you could time travel to when would you go uh probably i'd like to go to ancient rome or ancient greece on a scale of one to ten how strict were your parents Eleven. <laughs> they were spinal tap. <laughs> do you know how to run a VCR? Uh, yes, I do. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Saturday or Sunday? Uh, Saturday. Where's your favorite place to play softball? It's Omaha. We have we have the best single field in the country. It's just so great, and it's great for the people who attend as well. That's which which makes it a lot of fun. It's when we have our tournaments up there. It's a real family affair, and we do big cookouts. It's it's fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's your pet peeve? <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that one honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we can get it out. Uh, <laughs> well, it's you know. You know, my wife would say this, and she's right. It's 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 messiness disorder. I like things in order. <laughs> <laughs> pancakes or waffles? Oh, pancakes, easy. And Herbie Husker or Little Red? Oh, you got to go Little Red. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't so bad, huh? Thank you for listening to the Complete Engineering Podcast. For more information, visit us at engineering.unl.edu.